Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 64 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I am a weight loss coach for physicians, as well as a practicing family physician and obesity medicine physician. And I'm super happy that you're joining me. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I've just released this month my new free mini course called Time-Saving Tips to End Binge and Stress Eating. These are my best tips that don't require you to pack more into your busy schedule. So these tools that I'm teaching you in this course can be used on a busy day as you go through your day to start getting a better handle on binge and stress eating and understanding why they happen in the first place so that you can start to feel more in control about them. If this sounds like something you would benefit from, head on over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash time-saving tips, all one word. Make sure you check it out. It's, I'm really proud of this. I've worked for quite a few months building this and it is packed with really good, solid information and really good tools for you to learn. All right, so today, I'm sorry my voice is a little bit uh, croaky on as I do this uh, introduction, I've got my son's cold, but uh, today I am welcoming on a guest, Dr. Erin Wiseman, who is the host of Dr. Me First podcast. She is a physician and a physician coach whose passion is for physician wellness. She herself went through some burnout And that's how she found life coaching and now uh, does a lot of life coaching for other physicians to help them stay well and avoid burnout or manage their burnout. And today we're talking about her top five themes that she uses in her coaching. And I was interested to do this because uh, Erin and I were trained in two different schools of life coaching. And so I was interested just to see what different things she might have um, compared to what I would have thought of. And it's interesting because our, our themes would be different. And I might do a podcast about what my top five themes when I'm coaching would be. Uh, but I found it really fascinating and found really enjoyed my uh, chat with Erin and hearing how she approaches uh, helping other physicians. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Erin Wiseman. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me here today. All right, so what we're talking about today is the top five areas that you see or top five reoccurring themes that you work on as a life coach with your clients that you think most people would benefit from working on or would experience positive changes in their life if we all worked on those areas. Yeah, I know you gave me a big assignment, but it's fun. And you know, and I'll put it out there too. It's not like you do A and then B and then C and then D. And like, Mm -hmm. that's your algorithm to like, quote unquote, living your best life and fixing yourself. Because I really do not prescribe by that method as much as a family medicine doc that I love freaking protocols and like, going down the list and just like checking off boxes and getting it done when I'm working through a really hard conversation. I remind my people when we come into this space of life coaching, like sometimes it's not about even fixing you. 
it's about just like opening up and, and getting some awareness and some clarity on like, okay, what's happened to me in the past? What's currently happening to me? And what do I, what do I see happening to me in the future on this trajectory? So I'll give you my top five, but I would just tell people that this is a, not a true or false A or B type of situation this is more of like a a short answer and that you can pick and choose out of here because everybody what i find interesting so i've been coaching for five years now is even though i consider myself a transition and burnout coach everybody comes to me in different places every Mm -hmm. single conversation is so different and it's really beautiful how that seems in with like a typical family medicine office like you may have three patients in a row that are all diabetic rechecks but all three of them are so totally different as much as you want to like put them on the the path of of similarity and and you know checking all the boxes in the emr um so i really try to honor that in people too and just kind of figure out where they're at and meet them there And so, like I said, with these conversations, then, um, these are just five themes that I tend to pick up and try to help my people work through when they're ready, um, or when they see them themselves. So, and I think that's a really good point because, and if people listening haven't experienced having a life coach, it's not like we're coming in saying, okay, today, or Maybe some people do because there's a wide range. Uh, of unfortunately, I think some people do, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so in general, I don't, and it doesn't sound like you do, come in saying, okay, today we are dealing with this. But as coaches, we definitely do see reoccurring themes. And when they come up or when somebody starts to bring them up, they're like kind of um, really high yield areas to do some work. Like I, I think of... I, I'm curious to see if yours are similar to what mine are, but the ones that I think of as kind of my top um, themes, I, I think of them as kind of the foundations of why those presenting issues, like I deal with weight. So why the presenting issue of weight is actually there. It's usually because of some of these foundational themes. Yeah. Stuff underneath of it. Yeah. So the first one I do being a clinician, good clinician. And also I think good life coach is just like starting where we're starting, like getting yeah. a set of vitals, getting really real about what's happening in the, in that person's life and just like getting a really good assessment. And I know everybody kind of has their favorites. Maybe it's strength finders. Maybe it's some other psychological tool. Maybe it's a set of questionnaire questions that you send out like before a first coaching session. Um, But I think that's a really important first theme that by bypassing that you don't really help. I don't help the person I'm working with because it doesn't make them sit down and actually be like, okay, what is really happening right now in my life? Asking these questions. Who am I really? Who do I really want to be? Who was I in the past? You know, all of that. So getting a really good assessment is like my first theme that I see with people. And sometimes that is as simple enough at just asking, what's your biggest problem right now? And, mm-hmm. and just working through in a conversational way, and it's typically not one thing, and it typically has several different layers to it. You know, another thing, like I just recently did in my mastermind, so we did a whole month of assessment, and I challenged them, and like I mentioned, Strength Finders was one of them that, that they got bonused as part of the mastermind to do, but then they had to go and find another assessment tool on themselves. So maybe it was like Enneagram, or maybe it was like finding their archetypes type or maybe it was 
Briggs Myers or I mean there's a plethora of different stuff on the internet that you can do you can do a burnout survey you can do a wellness survey all that sort of stuff but I think that's the first theme in challenging people is just like just have some kind of baseline baseline assessment you know where we talk about like the vitals are vital they really are to kind of like know where you're starting at. Are you tachycardic and hypotensive or are you like doing okay? Um, and so I think that would be the first big thing that I really like to dig into. Mm -hmm. And it just because some people listening probably don't have familiarity with any of those um, tests or what they are, mm -hmm. but essentially like, so strength finders is one brand, but they involve usually answering a online questionnaire and then you get a printout that tells you your particular areas of strength. Mm -hmm. um, and Absolutely. usually, I, I don't think I've done strength finders. I can't remember which ones I've done. But, uh, but they often also tell you kind of where your areas of kind of blinder spots might be too. It might be. Yeah. It just, it kind of gives you, and not any one test is a hundred percent accurate. You know, it's only going to give you a small sliver of who you are. I mean, hell, if you go on Cosmo and do like what kind of sexual partner you are, you know what I mean? That's yeah. only telling you one domain of life. Um, but it's, it's not about right or wrong answers. It's yeah. just about like opening up and being like, Oh, maybe I do view the world through a green lens where other people see it as blue or purple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's really good at the building awareness. Um, what's number two? Number two, I typically see. So after I work with somebody and we get some baseline is, you know, really asking them, what do you really want? Like in the situation, be it their problem that they're coming to me with, which I'll be honest, the problem is never the problem. But, you know, like I said, it's always the stuff underneath of it. But what is it that you really want in life? Like, and I find so many people are just so adverse. They so want to like run away from what they think is like the problem, the monster, you know, the ick, that mm -hmm. they can't even identify what it is they're running to or towards. Mm -hmm. And so I like to get people really real about that and be like, no, what do you really want? Um, let me sprinkle some magic unicorn dust on you. Everything's on the table. Anything you want is a possibility at this point. No judgment, no bias. What is it that you want? And I make them sit down and really think about like, how do you want to feel when you get up in the morning? What does that look like? What about your day? How do you want to move about your day? What do you want to be doing with your day? How do you want to like come home at night? Or how do you want your family to come home to you? how do you want to feel and what does it need to be like going to bed at night? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really having people break that down instead of being like, well, I don't want to hate my job. I'm like, no, no, no. What, what kind of life do you want to develop? Where do you want to be doing this? What does this look like? Putting like tangible details with it. And I'll be damned. I would say probably 85% of people are like 10% away from that. Hmm. And so then I look at it and say, okay, we can get you there. Those are quick, easy wins. But then what's after that? What's the big stretch after that that you really want? And I give this example of myself. So back in 2014, worst year to date in my life. And I hope it, I can say at the end of my life, it still is the worst one. But I remember first time working with a coach, had no idea what coaching was. I just knew that I had read about her online and done some of her online work. And I just was like, this woman, take my money, help me. And that's the questions that she kind of asked me was like, what do you, what do you really want? And I told her, 
I want a job I don't have to take a vacation from. And I want to get up every morning without my alarm clock and just be so excited about life and work. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, okay, now, now let's dig into the details with that and doing that. And because of the work that I've done, because I've continued pushing forward, um, you know, the very first things, the very first quick wins for me to start stepping towards that goal of how I wanted my life to work was like backing down and negotiating my contract instead of being a full-time employee, employed physician to back it down um, so that I had two days a week where I could take a breath. And I was like, oh my God. And it was like, once I start, started living into like, this is how I really wanted to live. This is what I really want. It's almost like that fog cleared in the distance. And I was able to continue to keep pursuing and was able to keep pushing forward. And it's amazing because now I'm living in what I wanted six years ago. But now looking forward, I'm like, oh, but there's so much more now. And so I continue to use that question with myself as well as like, what do I really, really want? And there's been a lot of realigning goals with that. And I think that's an important thing that comes along in this step is this, is it like, is what you really want, what you're actually living out in your life? And I would say for most people, it's a big disconnect. Yeah. And so why, because this is something I ponder, but why do you think it's so hard for us to uh, imagine what we want? Like a lot of people, when you talk about that and you kind of like, what do you want sort of beyond this sort of immediateness? Or what do you want in a positive way is really hard for some people to picture. And some people have never really spent time doing that. I think it's three parts. Mm-hmm. I think the first part is we have worked so hard in practicality and we have put so many, so much energy into what we're doing in this moment and are achieving like our tangible goals that we literally have like shut off the pipeline to creativity in ourselves because we can't quote unquote waste energy on that. Right. We had to like focus so much into that. And so by like doing that forward thinking and, and dreaming, I mean, you have to open up that pipeline again for creativity to kind of stream in. The other thing too, I think people are so beat down and exhausted and it's not just mental exhaustion or physical exhaustion. I mean like emotional, spiritual exhaustion that there's just nothing else to give. And I, I feel now that creativity is like an essential part of my life, but when I was just trying to make it, that was like sacrificing part of myself so the whole could move forward and creativity just had to die. Because it kind of, like, I think when you're in that spot where you're so beat down, it feels like to make things better, it must be that you add, like, you have to find some sort of energy to do more, whereas the reality, and you did, your example is really good, is sometimes the way you make things better is you do less. Yes. Or maybe lots of times. (laughs) The way you make things better is you do a little bit less. Maybe not always changing your job or your hours, but sometimes it's just simple things like changing. And that'll get into my, my third topic theme that I see with a lot of people, but just finishing up this theme. And I think the third thing that why this doesn't happen in people um, is culturally, like you get put on the path, the path is your friend, stay in the lines, move forward. And if you start getting creative, you start stepping out of the lines. You're a little bit, you know, non-traditional at that point. 
And then you feel like you need to get smacked into the line. So those are my big three why people, I think, struggle with this. So then, you know, having some reckoning around that. And that's where theme number three comes in is rest and recovery. Hmm. I just, you know, ask them, like, what do you, what do you find that's restful in your life? And that's another really hard question for people. You know, they essentially like go to like not going to work and like sleeping, but I'm like, what in your life then is restorative and really helping people to identify that and understand that not all activities need to be output. Sometimes a lot of times we need the input. Um, I am a big advocate of our giving arts, our motherhood, our doctoring, our friend, our daughter, the roles that we play should come from the overflow from our cup and not from the emptying of that. But so long we empty and then we like shake it to get every drop out. And then, and then we wonder why we're so tired and we wonder why like we don't feel filled up anymore or fulfilled or any of those things. And it's because we've totally neglected the input side of what actually is restorative. Um, again, not just like with physical exhaustion, not just with mental exhaustion, but like spiritual exhaustion, because that's where I, where I really think um, my work as a burnout coach resides in. It's, it's not that you're just tired. I mean, it is like that deep down, your soul feels crispy and broken. And mm -hmm. so really helping people to get back in tune with that. And that's, that's different for every person. You know, my own personal example of like really figuring out what did I used to do in past years before this was my quote unquote normal pathological life? What did I used to do that when I walked away from, I was just like filled and full and like just on top of the world and vibrant. And what I realized it was outside. And as I started looking around again, 2014, 2015, I realized there had been months that the only reason that I had went outside was to get in my car. Like mm. I maybe went out to play with the kids shortly, but it wasn't just to like actually go out in nature and being a good farm girl from Southern Indiana. I spent a majority of my childhood and my early years out in nature, like dirty from head to toe, picking up toads in the Creek and little snakes and baby birds and just in it. And then I realized I was like, but then I started working in cement buildings and I didn't even know what the weather was outside mm -hmm. and what, you know, when the seasons had changed. So that was the first big thing for me was realizing that that was something that was super restorative to me. So that's one question I ask people is like, what do you used to do it as a kid that you just, you just couldn't do enough of, like you couldn't get enough of it. Another thing for me was I am a total book dragon. I would be a little kid and I would curl up in my blankets and my parents would even have to remind me to eat meals um, the days I couldn't go outside because I would have a book and I would be like so in that world and in that book that I would get lost in time, I yeah. felt like. And when I realized in 2014 when my coach was asking me these questions, I had let my library card expire. I had not stepped into a like public library. I mean, I've been in several, you know, medical libraries for medical education and getting stuff together and looking up things, but I hadn't been in a regular library since college. Hmm. And so that was one of the things I did is I went and got a new library card and I started rereading the books that I loved as a kid. And I could start to feel that like stream kind of like, 
coming back and nourishing my soul. And so that's what I ask people too. Like you, you need some restoration in your life and you need, you need rest. I mean, we are human beings. We're not machines. And so that's the other thing that I ask people in this step is like, when are you resting? When are you recovering? And I'm not saying like five hours of sleep a night and you're up in the middle of it with a two-year-old. Like when are you actually getting rest? And it's amazing how sleep deprived most of us are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's amazing too how when you haven't been doing it, giving yourself permission to do that rest and recovery can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like taking those first steps. And I find personally, I'm far better than what I used to be, but there's still fluctuation, right? Like there's still weeks that kind of get away on me where I'm like, hold on. I didn't actually, like, no wonder I feel exhausted at the end of this week. I didn't actually have any time for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting, your book story, in the year that I was kind of feeling really burnt out, I'd after I had my twins, I felt like I had lost my ability to read. Like I couldn't read and it was like my concentration changed. Probably that was sleep deprivation. is <laughs> probably a really good reason for that. But so I'd spent years of like no longer reading. And so around the year where I was trying to get stuff back on track, what I actually did was I kept a list of every single book I read so that over the year I was kind of doing a competition with myself to see how many I could do. Mm-hmm. And then that year kind of got me back to actually reading and enjoying it and being able to retain it again. But it yeah. was a, a big thing that I lost through, through life. Yeah. And that would lead into my theme number four is like the giving yourself permission. And I see that more manifesting as perfectionism, that you have to be this role in this way every single time. Um, I've got to be the best doctor. I've got to be the best mom. I've got to be the best wife. I've got to be the best PTO room mom that there is or community member or, you know, church member, civic, whatever, like all those roles. And I think that's where theme number four comes in to really help people identify like by you trying to keep all the balls in the air and make it look perfect as well. you're doing more self-harm to yourself. And so what's under that and the core, and a lot of times I find people that struggle with like, they don't believe they're enough unless they're doing enough. And I find a fear of vulnerability to say, maybe I'm not super woman and super mom and super doctor and being terrified of that. Or the other thing too is um, minimizing shame. Um, they feel ashamed somewhere. And so they're using like perfectionism to kind of like make a smoke screen with that. And then when I tell them we're pulling the smoke screen down, you're not going to be perfect anymore. You're not going to go to every single basketball game. You're not going to see, you know, 50 patients in an office day anymore. Like you've got to set some different boundaries and your boundaries are no longer what like the good perfect person is. We're going to try to make them more realistic. Man, that can sell send people into a tailspin right and so with that then then I talk about like adaptive perfectionism versus maladaptive perfectionism and so the I am not enough I have to 
keep going. I have to do enough to prove that I'm good enough. That's maladaptive perfectionism. There's actually a lot of new work coming out with this and um, with our psych colleagues talking about, you know, this is a, per this is a pathological form that runs you into the road of burnout. It increases mm -hmm. your anxiety. Um, I mean, physician suicide is directly linked to maladaptive perfectionism. And whereas adaptive perfectionism, this is when you say, I'm going to do my very best and I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but it's going to be okay no matter what. It's when you have that flexible mindset, um, when you're in a growth mindset of being like, yeah, I can do amazing work, but I'm not going to know the result. Um, even though I'm going to try very hard because what happens when we get in maladaptive perfectionism, some people actually become like world-class procrastinators and they come to me and they're like, I got to stop procrastinating. Like I need a coach to help me stay accountable. And when we dig into it, it's not the procrastination that's the key issue. It's the perfectionism because they won't start things. Or they won't do things if they know it won't be perfect. So mm -hmm. I don't know it's going to be perfect, so I'm not going to do it, which makes me feel even more panicked, which throws the perfectionists in me even more in a tailspin until yes. I run up again. It's a deadline and then I have to get it done. And then I shame myself because it wasn't my best work because I waited to the last minute. And so really getting to the key of that and understanding that action is what moves you through that. And also recognizing that there is no perfect. There actually, that is just a thought in our head that there really is no perfect. There is, is just either do or don't do. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point that um, is a super common theme in very high achieving um, alpha females um, that I work with a lot because we have done so well. And perfectionism, perfectionists are not stupid people. I mean, you have to be very smart to keep all of these balls going into doing it at the accelerated high level rate that you're doing. But just identify, just like with any superpower, you know, it can be a blessing and it can just wreak havoc as well. Yeah. And I think, like you said, perfect is just a thought. It's an idea. The enough too, I think is very much just a thought. And in general, most people, because this is a theme that I deal with a lot in eating stuff is often there's a, an underlying feeling of not measuring up in some way, which then drives a lot of eating behavior. Mm -hmm. But the thing, the tricky thing with enough is you think, okay, it's just when I get here, then I will be enough. And we probably all did that throughout our training. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I get into medical school, then it's all going to be good. Okay, then when I get the right residency, then that's going to be all good. Then when I get the right practice, when I, you know, get the, the house, the car, whatever it is, lose the weight, then everything's going to be good. But enough, if you don't directly deal with it, is a moving target. Mm-hmm. I talk about this too as enoughness and then also defining success. Yeah. Because, oh yeah, it's so true. How many external anchors did we put on ourselves to define if we were doing okay and if we are successful? And then once you kind of get out into the world, it's like, am I doing okay? Is everything <laughs> all right? And, and then like, that's where people really seek a lot of external validation. And then they, you know, then they feel like they they seem incompetent because they're trying to seek that external validation and really learning that key life skill of enoughness 
that we aren't taught in medicine because we're always turned taught to push and to keep going. That's just been something within, I would say the last nine months of my own life that I finally reached enoughness. Like what, what is that? What is that for me? What is enoughness? Still having goals and future planning, but like living in like true gratitude for right now. And just saying, like, this is enough. I am enough. Um, actually, I had that huge revelation this year when I was getting ready to do my income taxes in January. And I told my husband, I was like, we made it. He was like, yeah, we did. It was our first full year, both being entrepreneurs. And I was like, the lights stayed on. Everybody got fed. All the bills were paid. We even went on vacation. Like, wow, wow. And it was a really cool place to be in because up to that point, you just don't know how it's going to go. You know, mm-hmm. having been a traditionally employed physician, it was like you get your paycheck every two weeks and you know kind of what to expect. And, and on this new journey of just like, we're okay. And, and then also it had a second revelation to me, like there are no rules. Like there really, at this point, there are no rules. Like you have to follow, you have to do, of course there's like, you know, I think moral rules as far as like feeding your children and taking care of them. But I mean, when I'm looking at it from the life perspective of like, as long as you're getting the basics done, you can do it really however you want to. And that's a-okay. Like us sitting here on a Friday afternoon, hanging out with each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. before I would have been like, oh no what kind of doctors don't work in the clinic on Friday afternoon? Cause you know, that's the busiest time before the weekend. But now I realize I'm like, Oh, there's no rules. Like those people will be okay. It'll get figured out with or without me. Yeah. It's been a cool place to get to too. And that's one place that I hope to keep that I help my people to get to as well in their own way. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, if we could help more physicians just address that piece, like just believe that they are enough and perfect right now like I imagine like what would the world be different like like it, it it's such a transformative area to work that when you actually start to have some shifts not even like you know getting to perf- perfection with this to use a not a great term but like I just like to think like imagine if everybody that was working in this field just believed there were enough right now like it would be so great. I look at it as like a threshold level, like, you know, like with drug thresholds where they like the troughs and they dip. If we just got to the right, like to that threshold, just think about how like the whole culture would shift instead of it being so like grimy and graspy and like dog eat dog. And, you know, let's hate that group of people, even though we really need to work together as a team for all of our patients. Like Mm -hmm. if it was just like, there's enough for everyone to go around. There's enough resources. We will figure this out together. And I think that's the power of as one of us heals in healthcare, how we can go out into it and kind of shine our light. And as another one heals in another place and another one and another one, because as the collective starts to step into this, I think it's going to, like you said, we're going to get that that threshold and Mm -hmm. it is going to be better. Yeah. I think it'd be amazing. Like you think if just if you think of how much time and energy in your life you've spent thinking that maybe you're not measuring up and worrying that you're not measuring up. And if you had that mental energy, if everybody had, you know, a portion of that mental energy 
what amazing stuff could you do from a totally different spot, like a totally different perspective and experience just by freeing up that time and not worrying that you're not measuring up. Yes, absolutely. And I, so I have a lot of other themes, but I think probably the best one to slip in in number five here, mm -hmm. um, what I really help to try people do um, is what I term badass challenges. And those are the things that you think you would be like, oh, that would be totally badass if I did that or if this happened or that sort of thing. And so I love getting at, giving out badass challenges and just saying, win or fail or anything in between it's just about doing this challenge it's not about what the result happens yeah the result would be a great secondary measure as far as with that it's just about doing this thing and so let me give you some examples of this because gosh it's it's so amazing you know when i first started introducing badass challenges i was thinking like quick little small wins you know that people would do be like oh that would be totally badass like when you're on the airplane when they give you the like little cup of the drink like asking for the whole can I was like that would be a badass challenge you know what I mean and which I have started doing myself by the way but I'm telling you when you challenge our demographic type to a badass challenge they rock it through the roof so for instance, in my mastermind that I'm running right now, first month, everybody's got to do one badass challenge a month. That's all that it is. I had one gal, she, her badass challenge, she came up and she's like, I'm going to go talk to my boss to start getting paid vacations. I was like, do it. Another gal, she's like, well, I saw in an old job that I was in that a CMO position has come open. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply to it. And I was like, go do it. Another woman in the group, she ended up doing like three badass challenges. She's like, oh, I couldn't think of anything. So I did these three things. And they were huge. Yeah. And I just, it blows my mind too that just with just a little spark of encouragement that they go out into the world. And what I find is from doing just a few of those challenges, it builds confidence. I mean, like I said, who knows what the result is going to be, but I'm telling you by doing it, I have seen some amazing shifts in people's lives that if they hadn't even asked for it, if they haven't even thought about it, if they didn't get out of their head and didn't put it into action, it of course wouldn't have happened. But by doing it, it totally like hyper excelled their course forward. So mm -hmm. people I like to work with a lot, um, like I mentioned, those who are seeking transition or wondering, should I stay or should I go, or they've really identified that they're in burnout. You know, I typically like to work with people six to 12 months, but I find those who embrace the badass challenge, they're like six months is almost like tethering and holding them back sometimes. Hmm. because it really accelerates. Now there's a lot of things to learn along the way. And I think that's where coaching still comes in and it gets under these kind of like limiting beliefs and stuff under the surface that they still need to seam it out. But when you can go and things that you've been ruminating about or like, why did he get that position? Or I'm just disqualified. And, and you actually put feet on it and you start doing it. Even if you get told no, it's like, wow, I just went into the C-suite and interviewed for the CMO job for a corporation of 5,000 people. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody can take that away from you, that experience. So that yeah. would be my number five. And I would challenge your listeners too, like, what's that badass challenge you need to do right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's great. Like, um, 
I love the name of that you use because when you do those two, what you're doing is you're changing your uh, internal identity. Like you're changing to, I am somebody who interviews for a CMO position. Yeah. Or you, you know, you're changing to, I am somebody who can speak up for themselves for what they feel they should be paid. Um, and just those little identity shifts, I think, are so important because then you start to view the world and you view other opportunities from that slightly shifted identity. Yeah. And what I find, too, is it gets you out of victim mode and it gets you into victor mode. Yeah, which is awesome. And I think, like, I talk a little bit about this for food is, um, like, not so much the big lifestyle things, though I think, honestly, those impact eating and everything. But even if you have an identity of somebody who I can't go to the movie theater without eating popcorn, doing um, the, uh, you know, purposely setting a challenge of I, I don't like believing these things about myself that are limited. And so I am going to purposely show myself that I can go to a movie theater and not eat popcorn. And that's a, you know, that's a really different experience than if you're like trying to be on a diet in air quotes and you go to a movie theater and you think, I hope I'm not going to eat popcorn. I don't know if I'm going to eat popcorn versus if you go in saying this is a challenge and I'm facing the challenge because I believe in myself and I don't want to believe that limiting belief of myself anymore. Yeah. Cause you're empowered then mm-hmm. and, and no longer is the popcorn happening to you. You are oh. happening to the fucking popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think that next time. Yes. Yes. Eric, you can quote me on that one. You may have to bleep me for your audience, but hashtag potty mouth mom. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. All right. Any last words of wisdom? No, I think just to sum it up, like my top five themes that I really like to work through with people. And I think at some point, no matter where you are in your life journey, you need to take a look and see if you've done this is one Um, Do some kind of assessment on yourself, whatever it looks like, just getting a good kind of checkpoint to where you're at. Two, what is it that you really want? No more nebuloso, just floating. Three, you know, finding those restorative things, being intentional about them, actually doing them. And then also giving yourself forgiveness too when you kind of go off course. I talk to people a lot. It's like a pendulum you know, and I don't really look at it like the balance, the weight scales, but it's more of a pendulum. So when you like go way far off to one side, just remember you got to reset back to middle eventually. And it may take a few little rocks to get there, but you will. Number four is um, recognizing our perfectionism and how can we use it as our superpower rather than as our demise. And then number five is being a badass because I believe every single person really is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And where can people find you, Erin? Absolutely. So I love podcasting. That's how we met. I just, I'm always so excited to get and to talk to people and have conversations. And I think podcasting is one of the best ways to do it. So come and hang out with me on Dr. Me First. That's my podcast. I drop episodes like Netflix used to drop episodes. So you get a whole bunch at one time so you can binge and then you can come (laughs) back later for more excitement. But yeah, I, I love hanging out there. I also am really active on Instagram and on LinkedIn. So Instagram, you can find me at truth prescriptions or truth RXS. Um, and then LinkedIn, just Aaron Wiseman DO. And of course I've got a lot of goodies on my website. It's been there for several years. So it's 
pretty bulky at this point, but that's Truth Prescriptions with Dr. Aaron Wiseman. And I would love to have conversations with anybody and everybody, because as you can tell, I'm spunky and sassy. And I think there's a lot of other people in the world who would totally relate with that. And I just love connecting no matter where it is. Excellent. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit and chat with me today on a Friday afternoon. It's been fun. I'm so glad we got together. Next time we'll have to do like movies with the popcorn. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I will happen to the fucking popcorn. Hell yes. Hell fucking (laughs) yes. Okay. We'll talk to you later. So that was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed the chance to chat with Aaron and uh, get to know her. Make sure you check out her podcast, Dr. Me First podcast. I was actually interviewed on it so you could check out Uh, that episode from the fall. And you can find Dr. Wiseman on her website at truthprescriptions.com, which is spelled truthrxs.com. I think this episode really spoke to the breadth of how life coaching can really change your life and uh, improve it for the better. And if that's something that you are curious about and you're wondering if there's aspects in your life that could improve from uh, life coaching, then I think the best way would be just reach out for an introductory session. Uh, I really believe that doing life coaching as a client, so when I first reached out for a life coach when I was really burnt out, was the best decision I ever made. And that was kind of a pivotal moment in my life on getting things turned around where I feel so much more in control um, and can manage things like my stress and burnout and what that led to for me and what I think it can lead to for you and it leads to for a lot of my clients is managing weight and emotional eating and stress eating and all that stuff that often comes with our busy schedule and being overwhelmed. And so coaching really can take you from that being overwhelmed, feeling burnt out, feeling like you're overeating and feeling frustrated that you don't know how to stop to a point where not only do you feel in control of your eating, but you also feel better and in control about all those other aspects of your life. Uh, So the coaching, we coach around weight and we coach around eating in my program, but it has ripple effects throughout the rest of your life as well, which is awesome. You'd work on fixing one problem and then other things get fixed without you even trying, which is the crazy thing because how often does that happen? Anyways, if you're interested and you think you would benefit from that, make sure you head over to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab. And from there, you can book your free introductory session with me. That's a chance for you and I to chat one-on-one over uh, video conferencing and find out how I can best help you with what you're struggling with. All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes delivered right to your device as soon as they come out. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. And now for a quick disclaimer. This podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.